This is the Monroeville Christian Church podcast, where you can find sermons, Bible studies, and other biblical content produced by Monroeville Christian Church. My name is Covey Wise. I'm one of the preachers at Monroeville Christian Church. We're committed to teaching, training, and transforming lives for Christ, and we invite you to grow with us. Just a few moments. I am going to talk. Uh, I'm going to talk to the guys and uh, ladies. You can encourage the men, so you can listen along and encourage uh, your fellas to take part in what we're going to talk about. What I'm going to talk about. So I have, for the last, I don't know, 12 or so years, uh, had the opportunity to be the the dean of a week of camp um, over in Ohio. That is the youth preaching camp. And what we do, we bring in teenagers. Uh, there are some of those here. Uh, who have attended the camp, and what we do is help them to be able to present God's Word, study it and present it better. And here's what I tell them, and, and, and the three that I'm looking at right now, all sitting right there in a row, ducks in a row, <coughs> can verify this. On the first evening every year, I explain to them, and I'm going to share with you, that some of those young men who come to that will go into full-time preaching ministry, but most will not. But what we teach is going to help them because if they remain faithful to the Lord and to His church, and those two go together, if they remain faithful, they are going to be leaders in their family, in the local church, and in their community. And as such, they will have opportunities to present God's Word. Now, maybe it's going to be uh, filling in uh, when the preacher can't be there, when he's out of town, when he's sick. Maybe it's going to be doing a meditation at the Lord's table. Maybe it's going to be teaching a Sunday school class. Maybe it's going to be leading a Bible study in the home. Whatever that may be, we want to help prepare them to do that better. The reason we're having this is we gap preaching clinic. No cost is going to be October 20th and 21st. That's a Friday evening and Saturday at the McElroy Road. You spell it like McElroy. That is how it looks. It looks like McElroy. It's McElroy Road, Church of Christ. And that's open to... Males, All right? That's it. That's that half of the population. So what we're going to try and do, uh, teach them some public speaking skills, teach them how to study and interpret God's word correctly, teach them how to structure a sermon, and then teach them how to put all of that together. And again, it's, there's no cost. There are flyers out there. If you have any questions at all about that, I would be happy to, to answer those. I'm going to be one of the teachers. I'm going to be teaching public speaking. And I've got three guys here tonight who are going to critique me tonight, I have no doubt. Maybe more than that on my public speaking abilities. And that's okay. John Mitchell, uh, the director of the uh, Christian Restoration Association, the publisher of the Restoration Herald. Uh, John is going to be coming up and teaching hermeneutics. That's the study and interpretation of the scripture. Dave Jones, the preacher at Millwood, who's scheduled to speak here next year, I believe, out of the revival. Dave is going to be teaching the homiletics. That's the structure of the sermon. And then Jeff Tucker is going to be tying all of that together in what we call Preaching 101. Uh, we're excited about it. And the reason we're doing this is because we have, I've had a lot of guys, a lot of adult men come and ask, can I come and sit in on the youth preaching camp? No. 
No, because, first of all, most men can't take a week off in the summer to come do that. Secondly, it's gonna, that would mess up the dynamic. It's a youth preaching camp. And so, so we wanted to put something together where those fellows who are not teenagers can come and learn. So we're taking that, that week of camp and we're condensing it into a few hours, into a weekend. So we want to invite. If you want to come, there are plenty of hotels in the area. You can spend the night Friday night. It's uh, about a three-hour drive, so it's not, it's not hard at all. Interstate most of the way. you got to pay the tolls to get out of Pittsburgh, but that's, that's up to you guys. So that's, that's, so that's, that's, that's my commercial. All right? that's, my, that's my plug. I want to, I want to encourage you. Come. Come. Learn. Uh, all of us, and, and, I t- and I say this, I go to the preaching camps, I've been to 20 youth preaching camps, this is going to be my first preaching clinic, every year, every one of those camps, I learn something new and something different, and I, so, no matter who you are, this is not designed for preachers, but preachers are certainly welcome to come, this is designed for those guys who haven't, maybe haven't been to Bible college, and we're trying to help you, and, and, and help with the work of the Lord's kingdom any way we can. So that's, that's the idea. All right, so there, that's that. Now I'm going to move this out of the way. And I'm going to get to the sermon, if that would be all right. I'm going to ask you a question, and those of you who are here this morning, especially in Sunday school, know that when I ask a question, I expect you to answer, right? And if it's a rhetorical question, I will tell you. And a rhetorical question is simply a question I ask and you don't answer. Got it? Good, good. See, now I ask you a question there, and three or four of you answered. Got it? There we go. All right, good. Anybody, anybody ever have good news in your life? No, never, never. Unless you're Eeyore, you have, right? You have. You have had good news. Now, I'm going to ask again, and this time, if you've had good news at some point in your life, raise your hand. Anybody ever had good news in your life? Uh, there we go. Man, I like that participation. Some of you still have never had good news or your Eeyore. And that's okay. I'm not pointing anybody out. I really, I'm not going to because I get in trouble. Do you ever tell anybody about that good news? Here, let me ask that. I want to come down here because this is, this, is this is a more familial kind of thing, right? Hey, grandparents here. Can we get your hands up? Come on. I'm, I am. I, I know I look way too young, right? Why? Anybody ever tell anybody else about your grandchildren? Man, you can't wait, right? Look at my grandchildren. I'm going to pull pictures up right now. Is that okay? I'm going to show you. No, I'm not. But we do that, right? We get good news, and what do we want to do with it? Put it in our pocket and wait till three or four years later, and then we'll tell somebody. How about you? Anybody, anybody here have a favorite sports team? I do, and it's not, it's not, none, of them, none, of you, none, it's not none of them that you all... But I'm not a Browns fan, so don't hold that against me. I'm not. There you go. There's, there's some amens, all right. But I'm less of a Steelers fan. But that's neither here nor there. I know. I need to repent, right? If I'm going to preach here, I need to repent of that kind of stuff. We'll have an invitation at the end. I'll come forward. So if, you're, if your favorite team wins, right? Any Penn State fans here? No? No, a few of you. Brave enough to hold your hands up. Any Pitt fans here? Pitt Panthers? Any Steelers fans here? All right, it's been a while since you could brag about your team. That's okay. That's okay. 
But, but, see, there you go. That's it. Now you sound like a Browns fan. Yes, you did. That's what they say every year. Now I tell them, let me, I'm going to say this. This has got nothing whatsoever to do with what I'm talking about. I just want to say it. Well, there are a lot of Browns in Mansfield, Ohio. We're about an hour from Cleveland, south of Cleveland. And we have a lot of Browns fans. We have a lot. And I tell them, you have got to be the greatest fans because that team just keeps on finding ways to lose. And you still root for them, right? I mean, anybody can root for a team that's won six Super Bowls. How about a team that ain't ever been to one? Yeah, they do have championships. It was just before I was born. What was I talking about? Good news. That's right, good news. Good news. So we understand, right? We understand. Well, we have good news. We want to talk about it. We want to tell somebody. We've got this. Man, you would never believe what happened to me or my family. You know what's going on. I got this promotion or my team won. And we just want to talk about We want to talk about those things that we consider to be good news. So tonight, that's going to take us to an Old Testament passage. I know this morning we were in Revelation, right? Now we're going to go back to the Old Testament. At some point, I'm going to get into the, to the, the meat of the New Testament, but not tonight. We're going to wind up there at some point. And this Old Testament story is all about good news. Matter of fact, the words good news are right in the story. It's not about the gospel, but we're going to get there. I do want to let you know that if you are one of those that takes notes and, and wants to keep an outline, I'm going to have three points twice. No, I mean that. So we're going to do the, we're going to do the three points from this passage, right? One, two, three. And then we're going to make application of those same points for us here today. All right? That makes sense? It might make sense when we get going. Before we do that, before we get into God, we're going to be in 2 Kings, by the way, chapter 7. 2 Kings, chapter 7. And while you're, while you're opening your Bibles and looking for that, let's just close our eyes and pray, shall we? Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather here tonight. Thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ, the warmth of Christian fellowship. We thank you for the opportunity again to, to meet around the Lord's table on this first day of the week, Father, to remember the incredible sacrifice that was made for each of us, for all mankind. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to sing praises to you. We thank you for your word, and thank you for the opportunity to hear from you through the word tonight. Again, pray your blessings upon your word that it might not return to you void but that it might fall upon the fertile soil of our hearts and our minds and our lives. And I pray you'd help me to recall the things I have studied as I have prepared. And I pray, Father, you'd help me to get out of the way that you might speak to each of us tonight through your word. May your spirit work through the word to convict, to challenge, to encourage us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Kings chapter 7. Now, as we get started, I'm going to set the scene so that we understand what's going on, at least have some idea. This narrative takes place in Samaria. It's about 850 years before Jesus is born. It's about 130 years before the northern kingdom of Israel is going to be conquered by the Assyrian Empire. Elisha, the prophet, was living at this time and, and is part of this story. And in the chapters that precede chapter 7, we're told about a lot of the things that, that Elisha did. Now, our story takes place in and around the city of Samaria as the king of Aram is planning to attack the city. 
They've set up camp. The Arameans have set up camp not far from the city of Samaria. And the people of Samaria, because the, the Arameans are there, the people in the city, the, the people of God, have run out of food. They are literally starving to death. And they have no recourse. They, 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 and I, I, don't want, I hate to say this, but they, are, they have even resorted to cannibalism. And just when all hope seems lost... For God's people. Elisha prophesies that within 24 hours, their hunger is going to be satisfied. We read that there in verses 1 and 2 of, of chapter 7. And that brings us to verses 3 and 4. We're going to read those to start with. The story begins, and if you're keeping, if you're taking notes, there was a resignation. Resignation. That's the first idea. Resignation. There's this resignation. Verses 3 and 4. Now, there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. They're talking about the gate of the city. They're outside the city. And they said to one another, Why do we sit here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city and we will die there. And if we sit here, we will die also. Now, therefore, come and let us go over to the camp of the Arameans. If they spare us, we will live. And if they kill us, we will but die. I love that attitude. Outside the city of Samaria are these four men who are lepers. And the law of Moses, the Jewish law, forbid lepers from being in the camp. So these men are outside the city gates, and they would have relied upon the mercy, upon the benevolence, upon the charity of others for food. But they knew full well there was a famine in the city, and they had no food to spare. So they knew they were going to die of starvation. So they resigned themselves to this fact. That's their resignation. They resigned themselves to this fact that they were going to die. If they went into the city, they were going to die because there was no food there. If they stay where they are, they're going to die because no one's going to give them food. If they go to the camp of the Arameans, they're probably going to die. But if they go to the camp of their enemies, there's at least a chance they might live. These four men were at this point nearly hopeless. And when people are hopeless, they're going to show, or they're going to turn, they're going to show, they're going to turn to whoever or whatever might offer the slightest glimmer of hope. And at this point, for those four leprous men, the camp of the Arameans offered a glimmer of hope. So in their resignation that they are bound to die, they made the only choice that offered hope. They would go to their enemies. And that choice turned out to be much different than what they had anticipated. The results turned out to be much different than they anticipated. Let's read a few more verses. Let's read chapter 7. Continue down verses 5 through 8. So these men, these four leprous men, they arose at twilight, uh, dusk, to go to the camp of the Arameans. When they came to the outskirts of the camp of the Arameans, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Arameans to hear a sound of chariots and a sound of horses, even the sound of a great army. So that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Therefore they, the Aramean army, they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their donkeys, even the camp just as it was, and fled for their life. When these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they entered one tent and ate and drank and carried from there silver and gold and clothes and went and hid them. And they returned and entered another tent and carried from there also and went and hid 
them. We can stop right there. The lepers set out at twilight, just as the sun had set, to go into the camp of the Arameans. And when they arrived, they found the place deserted. Before they had arrived, the Lord had caused the army of Aram to, to hear this great noise of armies, so that they were scared and they ran. They didn't see an army. They heard the sound of chariots and horses, and they fled in fear. And so the lepers come. Picture the scene now, if you can. The fires are still burning around the campfires. It's twilight, so they would have seen the fires burning. They would have smelled the fires, the, the open wood fires burning. Maybe there were still pots of stew over the fires. Maybe there were animals roasting. And so they come into town, and they come into the camp, and they smell and they see supper. And these are men who are starving. In the midst of their revelry and rejoicing, however, and it tells us they, they filled their bellies. They went to this tent and they filled their bellies and they, and they looted the stuff. They took clothes and they took silver. They took the precious stuff and they, and they went and they hid it. And then they came back into camp and they went into another tent. They did the same thing. And we get the idea that they continued in this, in this looting, in this feasting until they couldn't eat anymore. And in the midst of that, in the midst of their revelry, and then their rejoicing, a profound thought came upon these men. They remembered that they had a responsibility to their countrymen back in the city of Samaria. So let's read two more verses. Verse 9, Then they said to one another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, but we are keeping silent. If we wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they came and called to the gatekeepers of the city, and they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Arameans, and behold, there was no one there, nor the voice of man, only the horses tied, and the donkeys tied, and the tents just as they were. We're going to stop right there. And the story goes on. But following the resignation, following this revelation, these men remembered there was a responsibility. With their bellies filled, with their bank accounts now overflowing, they came to their senses and said to one another, We are not doing right. The thought of their starving neighbors, friends, maybe family in the city, and they said, This is a day of good news, but we are keeping silent. They also recognized that if they waited too long, they'd be punished for keeping it to themselves. So these four men went back to the city of Samaria to share the, the glorious news about the deserted camp of the army of Aram. And in their haste to fill their bellies and their pockets, the men had momentarily lost sight of an important fact. They had a responsibility to others to share what God had provided. Now, now that we've taken a little closer look at this passage what was happening in and around the city of Samaria. Remember I told you we're going to look at these three points, and then we're going to look at those three points again. When, this is halftime. Now we're getting ready to go into the, the application, if you will, for us here today. And let's start where we started before. There needs to be a, re a resignation. 
Just as the four lepers were resigned that they were going to die, we must also come to that res resignation. We must resign ourselves to the fact that we are going to die. At some point, if Jesus tarries, if the Lord tarries in his return, each and every one of us is going to die. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, God said to Adam, From the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it you will surely die. That's not a mystical death. I don't believe it was a reference to spiritual death. Until this time, there had been no physical death. As far as we know, biblically, the first death didn't occur until God provided Adam and Eve with clothes made of animal skins. On the day Adam ate of the forbidden fruit, he began to die physically. Because of Adam's sin, we must each face physical death. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, we are reminded, It is appointed for men to die once. And after this comes judgment. But as stark as that reality of physical death is, we must also resign ourselves to the fact that there is such a thing as spiritual death. Until the lepers realized death was on their horizon, what did they do? Nothing. They sat outside the town waiting for somebody else to do something. They did nothing. Until we realized that spiritual death leads to separation from God and to eternal death, we will, in all likelihood, do just what those lepers did. Nothing. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, the Apostle Paul reminds Christians. So I'm just going to let the Apostle Paul remind us tonight. Before we came to Christ, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, the Apostle Paul again you were dead in your transgressions. He's talking about physical, I mean a spiritual death, not physical death, a spiritual death. We were dead because we had separated ourselves from God because we had sinned. Our personal sin causes us to be separated from God and separation from God is spiritual death. We need to resign ourselves to the fact that each of us has separated, at some point, has separated ourselves spiritually from God. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 reminds us, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But thankfully, the story doesn't end there. Because that would be a horrible place to end the story. Just as the lepers received a revelation, so have we. See, there, there is a, we need to come to a resignation, but there is also a revelation for us. In the story from 2 Kings, the lepers' revelation was that God had provided for them through the Aramean army. Today, for each of us, for all mankind, our revelation is that God has provided for us. If our personal sins separate us from God, and if separation from God equals spiritual death, God has provided a way for each of us to come back into a right relationship with Him. John chapter 3, verse 16, maybe you've heard this before. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, the only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. In the very next verse, Jesus continues, For God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Jesus Himself said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. See, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the revelation from God. God revealed to the four lepers that He had provided by scattering the Aramean army. 
God has revealed to us today that he has provided for our greatest need, and our greatest need is to deal with sin in our life. God has provided for that by allowing Jesus to die on the cross for us. By our own sins, we are resigned to spiritual death. By the grace of God, we have been given a glorious revelation in Jesus. But just like the four lepers outside of Samaria, and here is where the rubber meets the road, church. Just like those four lepers outside of Samaria, we must also realize that we have a responsibility. Each and every one of us has a responsibility. I, I, I want to I say some words. I'm going to step out because you've been listening really, really well. Whew. It's called a commercial break, by the way. I'm not selling anything. I'm just going to step out. Of this, I'm going to step out, and I'm going to, I'm going to give a, a piece of personal wisdom. I don't have much of that, but I'm going to share. I want to share with you something that you ought never say, words that ought never come out of your mouth. I'm going to say this, all right? And then I'm going to leave Thursday morning. Here it is. That's what we pay the preacher for. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that. Don't 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 ever say that. All right? You got it? What are we never going to say? That's what we pay the preacher for. Now, see, you just said it. Because, let me, let me, let me, let me go back over here. These guys who were lepers, were they preachers? Not as far as we know. Were they priests? Not as far as we know. Anything special about these men? Not as far as we know. What do we know about them? There were four of them, and they were lepers, and they were outside the city. But what did they have? Good news. They had good news. Man, that's pretty good, isn't it? That's pretty, I think that's pretty good. They had good news. But let's listen to what they said. Let's, simply, what did they say? They said to one another, verse 9, we are not doing right. What in the world are they talking about? What do you mean they're not doing right? They're hungry. They found food. They ate it. They were poor. They found wealth, and they took it. Is that what they're talking about by not doing right? No. They tell us. The Bible says, they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, but we are keeping silent. Church, what day for us is a day of good news? Is it? I agree with that. Whoever said every day, amen. Woo, every day. Man, I tell people all the time, there's a difference between joy and happiness, right? You understand that? There's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness, that's got to do with circumstances, right? That's circumstance. What's going on in life, man? Oh, blah, blah, blah. Joy, man, that's because you got a relationship with God through his son Jesus. It's inside. The devil can't take that away from you. And you can rejoice. You can be beaten like the apostles were. And you can have joy. Every day is a day of good news. And if we are keeping silent, we are not doing what is right. I don't want you to take my word for it. 
It is the responsibility of every Christian. This is why I led with that. That's what we paid the preacher for stuff. It's the privilege and the responsibility of every Christian to share the good news. Every single one of us. It is our privilege. I picked on, I used to pick on grandparents all the time. I used to pick on them all the time. Because I know grandparents just love to talk about the grandchildren. And then I became one and I had to really stop picking on them. But I don't. Because we talk about those things that are important to us, don't we? We share those things that we're passionate about. Anybody have anything you're passionate about? Go ahead. It's okay. You, this is not rhetorical. Throw your hand up. I'm not asking you what it is. I won't ask you what it is. Anybody have anything you're passionate about? I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Anybody have anything about which you are passionate? I, I just, they're critiquing me, including the grammar. We do, right? And we have things that we're passionate about. We talk about those. We, talk, we find people who share that interest, don't we? By the way, that's the church. Right? We share this common passion for Jesus. We want to pray. If you were here this morning, we want to praise him with all creation. We want to worship Jesus, the lamb who was slain. But it is our privilege to share that good news. I know we're still a few months from Christmas season. But in Luke chapter 2, those shepherds out there in the middle of the night tending their sheep, stinking, stinking dumb sheep. Ugh. That's simply what they are. I'm not making that up. Sheep stink and they're dumb. I have no idea why we are called sheep so often in the scriptures. What's I talking about? Oh, so the shepherds are out there with the sheep in the middle of the night, and these angels come. And what do they say? What do the angels say to these shepherds? I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for the people in the church. What? What was that? Oh, wait a minute. That's not, see, I didn't say it right at all. Here's what, here's, what I'm, here's, here's what it really says. I bring you good news of great joy for the people who believe like I believe. Is that what it says? No, that's not what it says. Wait a minute. I'll get it. Give me time. I'm a little high. I'm a little slow. Slow down. I bring you good news of great joy, which will, which will be for the people who look like me. No, that's not right either. Bring you good news of great joy for the people who live in my community. No, that's not right either. Oh, wait, I got it. Cubby got it. Cubby got it. He got it. I mean, the preacher, right? He got it. You guys know it too. I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. How are all the people going to know? How are all the people going to know about the good news of great joy? How are they going to know? I don't know. Let's, let's go back to the Bible. Let's do that. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus said, Go into the world and preach the gospel. Oh, wait. What's that word gospel mean? Good news. Man, we like to share good news, don't we? One of these days, I'm a Vikings fan, by the way. One of these days, the Vikings are going to win a Super Bowl. They're really good at losing it. They haven't even been there since the 70s. Let me just back that up. But one of these days, they're going to win. 
and I'm going to hoop, and I'm going to holler, and you're going to hear me. 200 miles away, you're going to hear me. You're going to know, that's Dean Jackson. <laughs> good news of great joy. Go into all the world and preach the good news. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, wait a minute. That's not one of those great commission passages. No, no, it's not. We're reminded. How will they hear without someone telling them? And that, that's, that's a rhetorical question. The answer is this. They will not hear unless someone tells them about the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. About the good news of God's love for them. About the good news of the grace of God bestowed upon anyone who will claim the grace of God in God's prescribed manner. They won't hear unless someone tells them. They won't hear unless we go. I like to tell the folks at uh, McElroy Road. I'm going to keep saying that so you know it. Say it right. Think of the golfer, Rory McElroy. That's, it's, it's not spelled the same, but it's pronounced the same. Here's what, what, was I, what was I telling them? What do I tell them? So you need to stick with your notes. Because if you don't stick with your notes, then you have times like this where you've got what you're going to say. But I'll remember it. I'll remember it. I don't remember what I was even talking about. Go. Oh, I do. I remember. There you go. See? That's, by the way, I have neurological issues. Don't tell anybody. That is true, but. The church assembly. You guys like football, right? Some of you. Some of you like football. You have some idea about the game. You don't have to like it. You have to know a little something about it. When the offense is, is going to decide what they're going to do next, they get in this little group there, and the quarterback says, here's what we're going to do next. Anybody know what that's called, that little group? A huddle. A huddle. It's a huddle. This. This is our huddle. This is our holy huddle. All right? This is our holy huddle. That's good. That sounds good, doesn't it? This is our holy huddle. And what, are, what, are, what do they do? What do those football players do in the holy huddle? What are they doing? They're getting their instructions. They're getting the game plan. They're, they're deciding and they're letting others know this is what we're going to do next. Has a football game ever in the history of football ever been won in the huddle? Nope. We receive our instructions, right? And then we break and we go do what we are supposed to do. It's not going to be done in here. The game's being played out there. Lives are being lost out there. It's our responsibility and our privilege because we have good news of great joy for all the people. Man, we want to share that, don't we? What tell us about You know what? You may be going through some bad stuff right now, but there is a God who loves you so incredibly much that he allowed his son to die for you so that you wouldn't have to. Man, that's good stuff. That'll preach, won't it? I hope so. I hope so. You know what else it'll do? It'll change lives. It will change lives. There is power in the gospel. Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. There's power in the gospel. This is a day of good news, church. Today's, anybody think this is a day of good news? Just go throw your hand up. I believe this is a day of good news. Why? Because this is a day that the Lord has made and he has filled our lungs with breath one more time. Man, this is a good day. 
This is a great day. This is a, a day of good news. And that good news is for all the people. And the only way all the people are going to hear the good news is if we tell them. So I want to challenge you. Is that okay if I challenge you? Good, because I'm going to do it. Go, therefore. I'm not going to challenge. I'm going to let Jesus do it. That's better. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Now, where are all the nations? Generally, we think about around the world, don't we? When we hear that, think about those people halfway around the world. We think, I can't go there. You don't have to. Do you live in part of all the nations? Is your neighborhood part of all the nations? Yeah. Maybe you could cross the street. Maybe you could talk to somebody in the line at Walmart. And there will be a line at Walmart because you'll stand there checking yourself out and you'll make them wait. <laughs> Maybe you could talk to the mailman once in a while. You can just talk to people. Build relationships with people who need Jesus. And just so we are clear, I'm going to ask one more question. Who needs Jesus? Everyone. Everyone, everywhere. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. We live in part of the world. Go. Go to them. Go to those. How will they hear without someone telling them? They will not. We get to tell people what God has provided for them. We need to be resigned, however, still to the fact that death is a real thing. That spiritual death is a very real and abundant thing in our world and our culture today. And we get to go tell them. There's this revelation. We can share with them. We can tell them about Jesus. We have a responsibility, but it's also a privilege. The greatest privilege we will ever have is to share the good news of Jesus, to share that good news of great joy. So I'm going to come down here, and I'm going to invite the praise team to come up. That doesn't mean I'm done. Almost. I thought you were looking at your stuff. Sorry. I appreciate what these guys do. I do. I, that's, that's not... I mean, they're incredibly talented, first of all. Thank you. Man, thank you for sharing your talent. But I appreciate, I appreciate what, they, what they have done here today and what they, what they do. I appreciate that. We share the talents that God has given us. We learned about that in Sunday school. But we all have people in our lives, all of us, we have people in our lives that don't yet know Jesus or don't know him well, correctly. I heard, and I don't know which, Penn and Teller, right? I don't know if this is true, but I heard it. I don't know which one's which. I don't, one of them talks and one of them doesn't. So the one that talks said this. <laughs> something to the effect, because uh, he's not a Christian, but he said something to the effect that if, if you are a Christian, how much you must hate him to have this good news and never share it with him. Man, that's convicting, isn't it? 
There are people in your life who trust you, who love you, who respect you. And one of these days, they're going to stand before Jesus. And I, I would hate to think that, that they are going to say, why, why did you never tell me about Jesus? Why did you never tell me about the hope? Why did you never tell me that I could be forgiven? See, we have this great responsibility, but it's also an awesome privilege. But that responsibility and that privilege can begin right here, right now. So we want to make this, op this, this opportunity available to, to, to all. If you're here tonight and you have never responded to the good news of Jesus Christ, if you have not allowed him to be the Lord and Savior of your eternal soul, that can change this very hour. Come to him in faith. Come with that repentant heart. You, you, you know you've done wrong. You know you've sinned. You don't want to do that anymore. You're sorry for it, and you want to turn in obedience to Christ. Not perfection, but striving to please him with your life. Confess him. Acknowledge that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He is Lord of your life. And allow yourself to be buried in that watery grave of baptism where your sins are washed away. Wow. And His Spirit comes to dwell within you and you rise to walk in that new life. If you're here tonight and you are a Christian, if you have accepted the grace of God, if you're in a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus, the challenge is this. This is a day of good news. And if we don't share that good news, we're not doing right. Let's do what's right. Let's do what brings glory to our Lord and Savior. Let's do what brings a smile to our God's face. All right? So that's the challenge. No matter where you are, if you have a decision that you want to make tonight, to, to come to Christ, or, or maybe you're a Christian, you, say, you know, I, I, need, I, I need people to pray for me so that I can go and talk to those people that I love. Maybe you need to repent of something going on in your life. If you have a decision that you want to make known tonight, would you simply come and let that be known as we stand and sing together tonight? This is a day of good news.